0: far and has gone to win the game. The Mets are on their way back. World champions for the 27th time. Home plate for all things Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds podcast on WFUV Sports.
1: Friends, family, baseball fans, lend us your ears. This is Nosebleeds, WFUV's one and only baseball podcast. We'll be talking baseball with you for the next half hour. We're very thankful you've joined us. My name is Dylan Balsamo, along with my friend and partner for the day, Mr. Nick DeLuca. So Nick, let's talk about, before we get to that, how
0: are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I mean, it's, it's always a good time to be on this podcast and, enjoy very much the ability to talk baseball right now because we hadn't had it for a while and it's not something in this context and in this world that we're living in that we're in a position to take for granted by any stretch of the imagination so happy to be here happy to be talking baseball wish I had better news to report on the Yankees as of recently but (laughs) That is all part of the job when you're recapping the Major League Baseball landscape and being in New York. Certainly. And I think it's worth noting before
1: we really get into the nitty gritty here that, um, you know, I think specifically for our generation, baseball specifically, but sports in general, is something we're never going to take for granted again. We will always remember the summer without sports. But, you know, speaking of taking things for granted, I think a lot of people, including both you and I, took the Yankees' success in the American League in 2021 for granted. And, you know, we have talked the last couple weeks about their struggles over this beginning of the season. But, you know, there are still – there seems to be a sun on the horizon, but still a lot of problems they face, Nick.
0: Yeah, it's been a difficult start for the Yankees. There's no two ways about it. And what's been, in my opinion, most surprising – has been their struggles at the plate. Because you knew coming into the season that there were some question marks about how this team was going to get through games from a starting rotation perspective. And then you find out that Zach Britton's going to be missing some time. And there are some new pieces in the bullpen fold for the Yanks with Justin Wilson and Darren O'Day and how will those guys fit into the fold. And and when you look at, at all of that stuff with the pitching, But this is a team, hitting-wise and lineup-wise, that in the last full season of Major League Baseball was within two home runs of setting the Major League home run record. And the the team that beat them was the Minnesota Twins, who who set the all-time record that season as well. And there's a whole can of worms about baseballs that we don't have time to get into. But at the same time, they don't all go out by accident. So this is a team that when you look at the Aaron Judges and Giancarlo Stanton's and Glaber Torres's of the world, you expect to really perform and be powerful. And of course they are missing the the reigning American league home run champion in Luke Voigt, but to see them struggle. And and in particular, the lack of power. If you told me that they were not putting bad on ball and were striking out all the time. And they were, there were a lot of strikeouts early on in the season and were a lot of strikeouts in, in the four game set in Cleveland, but, the, the rate at which they were hitting ground balls and to see that the Yankees are 23rd in runs playing at Yankee stadium for crying out loud. And yeah. when you see that they are last in the, it, it, it might've been American league. It might be. Enti- I think it's the entire major league baseball. I think it's a, the entirety of major league baseball. The Yankees were last in slugging percentage. And that's just something that you couldn't fathom. And, and I've tweeted about it a couple of times, but That's been the thing that's been most surprising because I don't think anybody was coming into this season saying the Yankees have a dynamite all-star rotation. You were hoping you were going to get some better production, at least in the early going from Jamison Tyone and Corey Kluber than you have gotten. But I don't know that that surprises anybody. What is startling is just the inability to come through with runners on base and to, you know, come through with, Productive at bats and to to put the bat on the baseball and to hit for power the way that we're accustomed to seeing the Yankees hit for power. And they started to get it going this weekend. Rugnet Odor has been a welcomed addition to this lineup, at least recently. Picked things up a little bit. Giancarlo Stanton with a couple of home runs. And when he hits them, they stay hit. I mean, they were really impressive over the weekend for Giancarlo Stanton. Aaron Judge, you're hoping, will get going. He was off to a decent start and then has cooled off a little bit. So you're, you're hoping that from a Yankees perspective, they'll be able to find their stride. I, they look like they're having better at-bats. That's usually the first sign. You're hoping that Clint Frazier might be able to get things going a little bit. Aaron Hicks as well, guys who have really struggled. But they're working more walks. The at-bats are more competitive. You're getting into deeper counts. So I think it's reasonable to expect that the Yankees will be turning a corner shortly. But still, nonetheless, this is not a spot where toward the basement of the AL East, you'd expect them to be at this point in the season. At the same time, they're still only three games out of first. So no need to hit the panic button yet. I know that was popular this past week, but they seem to have gotten right at the right time going into Cleveland. And now a chance for them to really find their stride, go on a winning streak here. You've got Baltimore on the road as a team that can hit with anybody in the world in Camden Yards, and then you'll have Detroit at home after that. So an opportunity to really get rolling, and that's exactly what the doctor ordered for the Yankees.
1: You know, I was a big panic button guy myself when it came to the Yankees so far in the season. I've mentioned this on this podcast almost every episode we've done so far this year. But, you know, I, I sat down crisscross applesauce and did some deep breaths myself. And now, you know, after this weekend... It's too early. Are there are too right. many games. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, quickly, uh, I, I love noting this. You mentioned the Twins breaking the home run record in 2019. Quick shout-out to the Minnesota Twins and the heck of a year they had in 2019. That was a fun team to watch. Just thought I'd mention that. Uh, well, so, yeah, and you mentioned, you know, the there does seem to be a a bright side of the road very quickly approaching for the Yankees. And that's a good thing. Uh, But you know, you look at, you look at things like the the fact that they're striking out a lot and you know, that's not something that typically concerns me very much, especially with this is a Yankee team that is, if there's ever been, (laughs) if there's ever been a lineup of true outcome at bats, it's going to be this one. It's going to be a lot of strikeouts, a lot of home runs, a lot of walks. And, you know, at, at the end of 162 games, that'll for a team like this Yankee team that has a lot of power, will typically wind up in success somehow. And, and you know, we, we knew about these struggles pitching-wise. You know, Garrett Cole had a, had a wonderful start this weekend. Uh, you know, Kluber and Tyone, like you mentioned, have not, have not been there yet. Uh, but you would expect this is a Yankee team that offensively has enough to compensate for when the pitching is just not there. Uh, and they just have not been able to produce at those times so far this year. And, you, you know, granted, every team, even the best of teams, has those moments in throughout the course of the season. You know, uh, when the Yankees were last place in the American League at one point, it was the first time since 1998. And we all know what happened in 1998. So, you, you know, those are not things that typically concern you. And, you know, like I mentioned, it, I was a big panic-button guy with the Yankees because I think we all expected <laughs> – I think we all expected 162 games of the 19, the 1927 Yankees. And that's just not feasible at this point in the baseball landscape. It's just not going to happen. And you, you know, you you look ahead to this week for the Yankees, they got Baltimore and then they got Detroit. Uh, This could be a very um, let's say profitable week for the Yankees. If they're to use it right against two teams that quite frankly, they should really be beating up on.
0: Yeah. I, I would have to believe that they are in a good position to beat up on two teams that aren't very good right now. And that's Detroit who who has shown a bit of a pulse earlier on in Baltimore, who we know coming into the season had a 0% chance to make the playoffs. I think that's improved a little bit, seeing as they're not in last as of yet, but th- that's what y- you're hoping. But at the same time, they look good on paper, but if you don't hit, you're not going to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat and it was a theme back for the Yankees in 2018. And it was something that was exacerbated by what was a historically great season by the Boston Red Sox, but the Yankees didn't beat the Orioles at a clip enough to win the division. They, they ended up winning hundred games, but they struggled against Baltimore and it sent them to the wild card and didn't have home field advantage in the division series and ended up losing. So, you know, it, it's, it's not something necessarily to be taken for granted. It's more about, them displaying the type of play and the team that you're thinking you're going to see and finding the positive signs, you know, at at this point, they lose to Baltimore nine to seven. Well, you at least feel like, okay, there's a pulse from the team offensively, or they're doing something right. Not to say that the results don't matter because they always do, but at the same time, you're hoping to see, some positive signals. And the, the other concern for me about the Yankees, because we didn't get to this and, and it, there's, it's a little bit more complex than just simply the offense and the defense or the pitching, but it is the, the defense from the, the Yankees infield and outfield that has been extraordinarily concerning to me. Because in addition to where the pitching hasn't been great, there have been a number of plays where you watch the Yankees kick the ball around the infield and the outfield. And it's just like this is not a team that you feel like defensively is of a caliber that can allow them to win games that are close and low scoring. I was shocked that they beat Cleveland two to one when Garrett Cole pitched and outdueled Shane Bieber. And it wasn't because Garrett Cole pitched well, it's just when you watch this team defensively. How the heck are they ever going to win a game two to one? I was talking to somebody about watching a bunch of baseball over the weekend because we're, I'm sure going to get to this at some point, but a a fantastic series played by the Dodgers and the Padres over the weekend. And in game, I believe it was one, I think it was game one on Friday night. There was a line shot ground ball right at the second baseman for San Diego. Jake Cronenworth made a brilliant stab flips to Tatis at short covering second for one and then the relay to Hosmer at first to get the double play out of the inning, preserve a three-two lead in the eighth. And I watched that play and said there is not a player on the Yankees that can make that. And that includes Gio Urshela and that includes DJ LeMahieu, who are by all accounts plus defenders. But when you go up and down the list, and look at Clint Frazier, as great a play as he made in left field. He's not a plus defender. And Aaron Hicks has struggled early on. Aaron Judge, I think, is a plus defender. or Shella is as well. But Gleyber Torres is a major concern. And whoever they're running out at first right now, Luke Voigt isn't a plus either. But Mike Ford, and then LeMahieu, Odor is a, a minus defender at second. There's just not a, a bunch of really good combinations right now. And that all serves to say that the Yankees are tied for 25th in defensive run saved this year amongst teams in Major League Baseball. And it's just not something that you feel like is sustainable when you have to compensate for some of the the propensity to strike out in the times where the offense really isn't there. You're putting yourself in a really difficult position to try and out-hit your mistakes. And right now the Yankees aren't doing that. We'll see if they can do that at some point but I, I'm, I'm a defender of the home run ball, and I think the way the Yankees play is a, a way that you can win. But I also think you need to find other ways to win and be multidimensional. So you can hit home runs to win, but could you also win a game two to one? Could you also win a game where you don't hit a home run? And that's where I see the Yankees. Like, I, I, just, I just don't know that I see that right now. Could they win a game two to one? Yes, they did. Could I see it? Yeah, but Garrett Cole has to be pitching. Otherwise, they just, I don't know that they can do enough consistently both in the rest of the rotation and on defense to where you feel comfortable about that at all. I can sympathize entirely with your uh, belief about home run baseball. Something,
1: you know, we could say our, our parents and grandparents are will be the first to say, well, you can't always win with the home run. But <laughs> I, think, I think certain teams, specifically American League teams, the last five years can say, Oh, yes, you can. Uh, but, yeah, you know, def- defensively, there have been woes for the Yankees to, to a point where a Garrett Cole start feels like a Jacob deGrom start, where you, you go, is this, gonna, is- is this gem of a, of a 6, 7, 8 innings going to be wasted? Uh, but, but, you know, I think a bunch of those, especially defensively for a team like the Yankees, th- those things are going to come from the, the trepidation a team faces when they're not hitting the ball. When the Yankees aren't hitting the ball, it's it's obviously gonna be very tough for them to win, and I think that just comes from tension. Uh, but you know, we talked uh, through the first fifteen or so minutes of this, this podcast episode that it does seem to be like the Yankees are figuring things out. They, they've hit a they've hit a bit of a stride, which is gonna be most of the summer for them. So I think a lot of those defensive woes will at least figure themselves out enough to cover up uh, some perhaps um, big. Um, (laughs) big gaps they have in terms of uh, defensive ability. Uh, But I think that'll mostly shape itself out. But, you you know, let's flip to, I mentioned Jacob DeGrom, let's flip to the other side of New York because the New York Metropolitans are in first place in the National League East. They're in nine and eight. And, you know, Nick, they have played five, six straight straight games at this point, which is new for them in 2021. But it feels like we're finally getting a a real pulse of what this Mets team is really going to look like Uh, throughout the summer
0: yeah and they've looked better as of recently and, and the rotation has been outstanding and Jacob deGrom is right there with anybody that we've ever seen and it was an amazing performance this weekend as well 15 strikeouts in the the complete game and two hits and that was just as good a performance as you've seen in a long time so Jacob deGrom Continues to just amaze you, and then if that wasn't enough, he's also going to drive in a run with a couple of base hits too. Because the the fifteen strikeouts over a complete game shutout wasn't good enough, so Jacob DeGrom has to add on something else. But yeah. you feel like they're finding their stride a little bit. It's it's a, it's an interesting and comparison I, I think when made to the Yankees, at least after this past weekend, where all right, you're, you're playing a team that you should beat and you feel like you're getting in a spot to where you're finding more of a rhythm. And, and that's what Washington was for them this weekend. And they, they were able to take care of business enough. And it hasn't been an outstanding start to the year for some of the offensive pieces with Jeff McNeil struggling early and Francisco Lindor has taken some time to get things to come around. Pete Alonso hasn't been lighting the world on fire either but you feel like that they are doing enough to win and it's just so early and the stuff is going to even out. It's just, it's, it's the way it happens. And I think we have become prisoners of the moment a little bit more because of the nature of last season in particular, when you're playing the 60 games, there wasn't the time to say, oh, well, well things will even out or we have time to be patient with this player. I, I think you do. It's, it's a tried and true formula. You're playing 162 games. And, and these guys are good enough to where they'll figure it out. So I like what I've seen from the Mets. The bullpen is the obvious concern to where you don't want to be wasting the Jacob deGrom start. You don't want to be putting them in a, in a position where you've got games that are winnable and you're making them close or you're not able to close them out. And it's just one of those things where every time that Edwin Diaz is on the mound, you're holding your breath. And that's something that I had talked about in a podcast before the season, they, in my opinion, did not do enough to address some of the holes on the back end of the bullpen. But for right now, the the rest of what was supposed to work has worked for the most part. And you you feel like they'll be in a good spot to to compete. No arguments with being in first place in a division that we all had high expectations for hasn't really come to fruition in the early going. But at the same time, I, I think there is... Positivity for the Mets. I think that that's fair to say, although certainly room for improvement, which is where I think most people are right now. It's it's odd to look at the standings because you've got so few games and you're really pressing to see where, you know, Francisco Lindor isn't going to hit 40 home runs in April. So you got to calm yeah. down a little bit and, and let him find his stride.
1: Absolutely. I think, you know, you mentioned being prisoners uh, to last season and everything was so immediate. I think we're also prisoners to our own, our own little sports media landscape, the the world that you and I live in. Uh, let's say where, you know, we want an assessment of a team immediately, even after 10 or so games of the, the 17, the Mets have played the 21 that the Yankees have coming into Monday night. Uh, but, but yeah, here, here's the thing about the Mets is, you, you know, it, like we've said, like to get a pulse of what this team is really going to look like uh, finally over these last couple days has been good to see. Uh, You know, you look at a a game like Saturday where it really blew out of proportion. Seven, one was the final uh, in that Marcus Stroman start. But you look at, you know, Stroman start there. It was not, it was not a particularly bad start from him. He lost a few close calls. There were just uh, the, the Nats were able to have his number. There was some defensive woes specifically from Michael Conforto out in right field during that game. And then, you know, he left the game and the bullpen was not able to sustain whatsoever. Robert Gazelman through, you know, I believe it was three really strong innings after that, uh, you know, but li- like you say the, the bullpen is a, is a question. And it's a question that's eventually going to need to be answered. I would argue Edwin Diaz to this point in the season has, uh, has sustained himself. But again, you know, over 162 games, we're going to see what the real answer is to that question. And, and you know, you look offensively. Uh, Pete Alonso is up to five home runs now. You, you, feels like he's he's starting to get into that stride you want him to be in. Uh, you got you got a platoon, if you will, of J.D. Davis and Luis Guillorme over at third base um, that to this point has been working. You know, J.D. Davis had himself a heck of a game yesterday, also. So you, you know, there are there are questions, like you said. As there are for everybody, um, but you know we see them particularly with the Mets because, uh, you know, by the nature of of being the New York Mets, their their questions as a franchise kind of get bubbled and and, and blown out for the whole nation to see. Um, but it's they're not a particular they're certainly not a bad team. No, <laughs> no bad team is in a tough division is in first place. I I I think the Braves are going to be absolutely fine. Um, you know I don't worry about the fact that they're near the bottom of the division right now. But, you know, this is a tough division, and the Mets are in first right now.
0: Yeah, and and I'm looking this up because it was interesting for me to see. But if I would have told you after 20-plus games that Detroit is in last in runs scored, Washington is in 29th, and that the Mets were in 28th and the Yankees are in 27th and runs scored in Major League Baseball, I'm guessing that you would have lost that bet. And it's even a little bit more muddy because the Mets were able to get things going offensively for the most part, at least this weekend. You know, you, you lose the game, one game, seven to one, but six and four, and, you know, they feel like they're at least getting things going a little bit uh, swinging the bat, although it's it's been mixed and hard to make those generalizations, especially early in the season. But it's it's just odd when you look at that, because there's just no way, especially playing in Yankee Stadium, that you'd ever imagine the Yankees would be down there. And quite frankly, the Mets feel like they should be a team that's got a very good lineup. You know, if if the issue was that, the, again, the Mets are in first place, but, you know, oh, what, what's the issue for the Mets? Probably the bullpen. Well, it's it's been shaky. It has inspired great confidence. But the lineup has not been outstanding until as of at least this series – you feel like they're hitting the ball a little bit better, but it's just odd to see the Mets in 28th and the Yankees in 27th, because when you read up the the, the list of the teams that are in front of them, you feel like they're better offensively. Both of these teams and the giants and Cleveland, I mean, San Diego's in 24th, which is amazing, but Baltimore at 23rd, Texas at 22 Pittsburgh at 21. These are just not teams that you feel like are, are scoring very well. And yet, the yankees or the mets are where they are yeah you know
1: particularly to wrap things up here with the mets is um it, it they're uh they're they're as hot and cold of a first place team as you're gonna see at this point early in the season because you know you'll have and they they've had some pretty good offensive spouts themselves throughout this short season so far even before this weekend against washington but then you, you got Games like the second game of the Saturday doubleheader against the Rockies, where it's just it's not even close. The whole series with the Cubs, where they get swept and only score a handful of runs. It's, it, it, they, they had yet to figure out that stride, and I would argue the Yankees were in the same position. Um, but both teams, and I'm not just saying this for the sake of the fact that we're covering both teams, but they do seem to have the similarity of that stride does seem to be found. For the Mets, it's, it seems to mostly be a, a matter of finally being able to play uh, a certain amount of games with the Yankees. It's just they've they're they're figuring out um, how this lineup's gonna hit the ball uh, when everyone expected that much out of them at least, um, you know. But the the light does seem to be at the end of the saddle for the Yankees, and 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 the Mets seem to finally be clicking. And and of course, to wrap things up with them. They seem to. This will be a good test for them this weekend, considering they'll have the best offensive team in the American League come to Citi Field on Tuesday and Wednesday in the Boston Red Sox. And then they will go to Philadelphia again to play the team right below them in the NLE standings, the Philadelphia Phillies. But, Nick, you mentioned Dodgers-Padres earlier, and I want to talk about it at least a little bit because I don't know about you, but I plan on spending the rest of my evening putting into my calendar the rest of the times that they play for this season because I don't want to
0: miss another inning of it. No, I don't either. And the next time they play is June the 21st, if I'm not mistaken. So I'll have to look that up to verify it. But yeah, it's it's late June in the, in the 20s there. And I can't wait to see it because these two teams are just so entertaining when you watch them. And the Sunday night game last night was just unbelievable. And to see the, the comeback that San Diego pulls off and the high stakes bases loaded 10th inning and Hill was able to get out of it with the strikeout and then the Padres win it in the 11th. And then the emotion and how good that Fernando Tatis was over that entire weekend. He's the first player since Barry Bonds to hit multiple home runs and back-to-back games at Dodger Stadium. And he is just on full display as one of the best players in all of baseball. And maybe Mike Trout's ahead of him. He probably is. And maybe Mookie Betts is ahead of him. He probably is based upon the track record. But after that, the list isn't long if it even exists about who's better than Fernando Tatis in major league baseball right now. So it, it was just outstanding to watch and the offense, the defense, and just two teams that are, in my opinion, a cut above everybody else in major league baseball right now. And that's just, that's, that's like getting the opportunity when, when you turn on the television on a Saturday in, in the fall and whoever it is in the sec whether it's alabama georgia or alabama and lsu somebody in the sec where you watch that game and maybe it's even into the college football playoff and say these two teams are just better than everybody else and this is really fun to watch that's that's what it feels like watching the dodgers and and the padres right now because these two teams are just outstanding the pitching is great you can go up and down the list i mean Pershaw, Bueller, Bauer, Darvish, and Blake Snell, and Chris Paddock, and and what these teams run out there. Joe Musgrove threw a no-hitter. Of course, he wasn't as good yesterday, but he came in with a sub-2 ERA, and he had just been really good. So these two teams are so much fun to watch. And and what I was criticizing the Yankees for is everything that these two teams are able to do. And the Dodgers actually have struggled scoring runs recently, but you feel like all of these teams can find way, Both of these teams can find a number of ways to win. And that's, what's most impressive. When you go back to the first series that they played a two, nothing win for the Dodgers. When Mookie Betts makes a diving catch on a walk-off to win it. And then the Padres are down by six and are able to come back in the seventh inning and win it in extras eight, seven. So they can score runs. They can pitch their way. Just really impressive baseball. It's so much fun to watch and and super exciting because of the personalities and, and the way that these two teams are embracing this rivalry is awesome. And the, the stuff with Fernando Tatis and Trevor Bauer was really cool to see about Bauer saying, yeah, okay, go ahead celebrate. That's something that needs to be addressed in our game. We should have hitters who celebrate when they do something well and pitchers celebrate when they do something well because it's difficult – to find success in major league baseball. And you should be allowed to celebrate that when it happens. And and we shouldn't be throwing at people for that anymore. And I thought that was really good on Trevor Bauer and it was a lot of fun to watch and you can think whatever you want about Trevor Bauer, but I think he's right in that regard. And, And the excitement, the entertainment value was certainly there. What a series and looking forward to it every other time that it comes across my television this summer. Absolutely. I made the
1: very silly mistake of not watching Sunday night's game live and instead watching a rather sluggish uh, Oscars production uh, that <laughs> truly underwhelmed me in many senses of the word. But, well, I'm sorry um, about that. Oh, it's, I'm not, I am too. But uh, for the most part, um, it, you know, the, this this Dodgers-Podgers rivalry has instantly become my favorite set of games that I have watched in my short life of watching baseball. Uh, and there's two things I really, really love about it. Uh, first of all, you know, you mentioned, uh, the talk of, uh, excuse the sirens, uh, behind me, I left my windows open by mistake, but, um, you know, you talk about the talk of Tatis and Betts and, and where they stand against Trout. And, you know, you look at Kershaw and Bauer and you and Darvish and, and, and the natural thing for a baseball fan to want to do, especially those of us in our little media world here, is, is to want to rank them. But these guys seem to realize that like, it, everyone kind of does their own thing. And to, to rank them truly is a little silly. And these guys seem to realize that. And they also, more than anything, enjoy the faux ferocity of a good rivalry. You know, the exchanges between Tatis and Bauer that we saw this weekend were just fun to watch. But, you know, because let me tell you something. I was at um, Mets Nationals on Saturday. The 7-1 loss, the Mets faced. Uh, there was a pitcher who came in, uh, was not able to get an out for the Mets. Uh, walked five batters in a row, a lot of run to come home. And the boos that came upon him were massive to a point where I was, I was hurt for the guy. Uh, and, and it made me think of like booing, in a, booing at games, you, you know, when it's about a player who's not able to produce, it, it, it takes on a very mean spirit, I would say. But, you know, I think about, you know, being at City Field in the time when Bryce Harper's there and the boos that come on him just for being Bryce Harper. To me, that's fun. To me, that is a, a, a little more of a, a fun spirit because he understands it's, this is a rivalry and it's not real. And and there and there's a fun there, and that's what, that's what any game is supposed to be. Baseball in particular, and I'm glad that the Dodgers and the Padres both seem to realize that.
0: Yeah, you feel like they have, and and the the fun of Tatis doing a celebration to get back at Bauer for what he did at spring training, and then <laughs> the exchange for them on on Twitter about potentially Fernando Tatis taking a peek to get a look at what pitch was coming with the sign. I don't know if he saw what pitch was coming. I don't know that I really care. And maybe (laughs) that's in poor taste with what happened in Houston a couple of years ago, but that was not a pitch. Regardless, if you knew it was going to be a slider that he should have been able to do anything with and he deposited it over the left center field wall. So it was really impressive to see Fernando Tatis on full display and the passion. You can tell that it, it felt like a playoff game in April is probably the best way to say it. You can tell that these guys are, are passionate about playing and they understand how meaningful these games are with these two teams, even in April now and not playing again until June. But it was it was really fun to watch and, and so good for the game of baseball is the best way to say it. Because if, if you want someone to be interested in watching the game and growing the game, you show them that display of baseball with the Dodgers playing the Padres. And I think you're going to be able to attract a lot of fans. These games have been so good that if you told me someone scripted it and it was
1: all planned, I wouldn't care. That's how good it was. And you know what? Unfortunately, this podcast is not scripted. And unfortunately, our time is up. But Nick, as always, it was wonderful to talk to you and good
0: to see you, my friend. Good to see you, too. Always a pleasure talking some baseball.
1: That's Nick DeLuca. I'm Dylan Balsamo. This has been this week's edition of Nosebleeds. Go watch the baseball this week, and we'll talk all about it next week. We'll see you soon. Have a good one. Nosebleeds has been a production of WFUB Sports.